Welcome to Disrupting Japan, straight talk from Japan's most successful entrepreneurs. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for joining me. You know, I spend a lot of time talking with startup founders in Japan. I also spend a fair amount of time talking with policymakers and academics, and even executives of large companies who want to support startups in Japan. Two of the most common concerns I hear revolve around the lack of qualified developers in Japan and how the Japanese education system doesn't really prepare students for a world that demands that they innovate. Well, today, we'll be tackling both of these issues head on. In a few minutes, I'd like you to meet Masakato, the CEO of Progate. Progate is an online platform that is teaching young people to code. And yeah, yeah, there are a lot of startups doing that. But, but these guys are on to something. As Masa will explain, he actually started Progate when he was majoring in computer science at the University of Tokyo. And he didn't start Progate as a side project. He started it because even though he was majoring in computer science, he wasn't learning how to program in his computer science classes. Now, all of this will make much more sense when Masa explains it to you. But this foundation might be why Progate has seen so much success so quickly. Progate is now being used in high schools and elementary schools all over Japan, and they've expanded into overseas markets as well. But things didn't work out exactly as they planned, and they had to change their business model to survive. But you know, Masa tells that story much better than I can. So let's get right to the interview. So I'm sitting here with Masakato, who wants to teach the world to code. Yep. So thanks for sitting down with me. Thanks for having me. Masa, you are the founder, CEO of Progate. Yep. I explained it a bit in the introduction, but why don't you tell us a bit about what Progate is? So basically, we're a company that teaches programming, and we teach it online. The content we teach is mainly、um, web-related, so it's about teaching people how to make websites, make web services.、Um, so HTML, CSS, yeah, HTML, this kind CSS. of... JavaScript and Ruby, Ruby on Rails and all that. Yeah, and we started this company five years ago. Okay, so is Progate, is it an app? Is it a video? Oh, so we do have an app as well, but we started off as a web service. And instead of using videos, we use slides to teach the students. And we also have an online coding environment so the users can actually test out their knowledge on the browser without any like,、um, pre setup. And is it just sort of like、uh, basic courses or is it basic to advanced? So it's basic to intermediate, I'd say. So we teach the fundamentals of these programming languages and eventually、um, lead them onto programming frameworks. And then, yeah, we lead them to develop their own services. So, is the primary interface the app or is it the browser? The browser. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I can understand that. I mean, trying to, trying to code on a,、yeah. a smartphone would be kind of challenging. That's true, that's true. But we do have a special keyboard to, to、uh, make that easy. 
Yeah. Yeah. Do people do that? I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Really? Yes. Yeah, wow, I can't imagine that. Maybe it's a generational thing, but for me, yeah. even like laptop screens seem kind of small. <laughs> I can't yeah, imagine yeah. doing it on a, That's true. a smartphone. We do provide ProGate to um, high school students and junior high school students, and they actually find it easier to learn on uh, the mobile app. Really? Yeah, because um, some of them don't even know how to type emails to register on ProGate. Because they're so used to, you know, flicking on their smartphones, they don't, they can't type. Even if they can, they struggle with, you know, finding where the, um, the, you know, how with Japanese and English they have to convert. Right, right. Yeah. So they accidentally type in Japanese, and they're like, ah, it's not working. <laughs> oh, okay. So in that case, like having a really controlled environment, yeah. Even with a tiny screen, is yeah. Uh, all right, that makes sense. And even for adults, because a lot of Japanese people travel on trains and stuff, they can use that time to, to re- review the content they learned on the web version and try it on the, the app version. All right. Yeah. Cool. So the last time I checked, you had something like 600,000 uh-huh. users now, right? Yeah. yeah. So, so tell me about your customers. Who are they? You mentioned like some are high school students. Is it mm-hmm. mostly younger programmers, mm-hmm. older? What do they... Who are they? Okay. So um, our main target is people in their 20s, I'd say. 20s to 30s. So people who already have a job not in IT and who want to you know, look for other jobs in IT or something IT related. Uh, but recently, over the past two years or so, um, many, of, uh, many teenagers are starting to learn on our platform as well. So that's starting to change a little bit. Huh. Yeah. Okay, so it's it's really people who are looking to move into IT jobs. They're not, yes. they're not like hobbyists. Uh, both, actually. Like university students, especially in Japan, um, it's becoming a trend to learn programming just as a skill, you know, not, not to get jobs, but people are starting to think that it's really important to be like programming literate. I think that makes a lot of sense, mm. really. Mm. I mean, programming today is like, I don't know, knowing how to use email or... It opens so many doors in yes. business. And exactly, yeah. So technology is like all around you and it's becoming very important. And especially um, since programming will be a compulsory thing to learn in high schools and junior high schools and even primary schools in Japan in two years. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah. So the Ministry of Education yes. has said all students are learning programming. Yes, that will be included in the, the actual curriculum. Even parents are starting to get more interested in learning to code. What, what language are they going to be teaching in schools? Uh, so, I guess JavaScript. Yeah, I kind of had Maybe. a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but Python is starting to get more, more attention. And, yeah. That's really encouraging. Well, actually, you mentioned university students. And you, yeah. you started ProGate back when yes. you were studying at Tokyo University, yes. right? Yes, exactly, yeah. So was it a, a hobby project that just got out of hand or did you start it knowing you wanted to make a company out of this? So I guess it was a little bit of both. When I first started learning programming, it was at uni in my third year of uni. So that's when people start to choose their majors in uh, Tokyo University. So I chose uh, computer science and that's my first experience of programming. And I wanted to learn how to make web services and um, iPhone apps because, like, five years ago, everyone started getting iPhones, and, you know, it was, I thought it was really cool. Like, pro- I thought programming was really cool, so I wanted to learn that, and uh, I majored in computer science with, you know, high hopes. <laughs> but what I actually learned there was 
not quite what I expected. You know, it was more academic. Yeah, let's yeah. let's dig into this because this is something I've thought has been a little odd about mm -hmm. computer science in Japan. Yeah. So, what what were they what were they teaching you? So they were teaching me um, like the the history of programming, like how it was uh, first made, like. And like the, the Babbage engine and things yeah, like this? Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's interesting. That is interesting, yeah. I mean, I'd love to learn it now. Now that I'm an actual programmer, I'd like uh. to know deeper into it. But back then, I wanted to know more like practical stuff. But um, all the professors there didn't really teach me that. And that's understandable because they aren't really doing the latest web stuff. I mean, honestly... I don't think I've ever met a computer science professor in Japan mm -hmm. who has ever had to deliver a project mm. to a customer. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I didn't know that before, but after majoring in computer science, um, it just didn't feel right, you know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So was that, was that a common feeling among your, among your classmates that you just wanted to, to build something? Uh -huh. Not really. Um, well, that's disappointing. <laughs> yeah, they were pretty satisfied with it. You know? Really? Yeah, so usually um, students in computer science, they get a master's degree after that and try to get into a big company in Japan. Like, I could have taken that option as well, but um, since I was very passionate about you know, creating my own services, I had to find other friends who felt the same way as me. Right. And yeah, um, I was lucky enough to find them. So, and they, they are the founders of ProGate, yeah. And so when you and the team first, first made ProGate at university, mm -hmm. we, your first users, I assume, were fellow classmates and people at the university. Yeah, so um, it actually s didn't start off quite well. Since I was a beginner, and all my friends were beginners as well, we were struggling, and... Um, so we had a programming community kind of thing, but it didn't really work out because there, there wasn't anyone who could teach us programming. <laughs> yeah, we to just teach each other. Yeah, and that didn't quite work because we were just a bunch of beginners who didn't know anything. So we were just always uh, stressed, you know, because we weren't getting anywhere. But um, after a while, me and my co-founder, we were lucky enough to find this person who works for a, an IT company in Japan. And he, was, he showed us all the things that we had to learn, like all the milestones that we had to accomplish. After that, me and my co-founder, we stay at this a share house for a month and we just code and code and code. And yeah, with the help of that person, we were able to release a web service. And yeah, that experience was like really big for me, had a really huge impact. Um, before that, I'd thought that the only option that I had was to get into a big company in Japan like all the other people. Mm -hmm. But after learning to code, I, I felt that I had other options okay. because I was not just making money, but adding value to the world. And that felt really good. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, that is, that is one of the things that I love dearly about programming in general. And I miss it because no, nobody lets me program anymore. <laughs> um, <laughs> with good reason. But it, it is this wonderful combination of mm -hmm. artistic expression yeah. and building something that is truly useful uh -huh. that yeah. I don't think there's anything quite like it. Mm, I agree. <laughs> yeah? Yeah. So, so once this was up and running, yeah. were other university students interested? Were, they, were other university students like registering and say, yes, we want to learn programming this way? Yes. 
Once my co-founder and I got the hang of programming, uh, the, the programming community was up and running again because we could teach them now. So for a while, we were teaching them um, in person, but we were teaching so many people that it just got out of hand, you know? <laughs> so um, that's when we came up with the idea of Progate, a platform that's online and anyone could use it. And our target users were our friends. We wanted to teach our classmates. We wanted to teach community members. And yeah, we wanted to help people who were struggling to learn to code, just like, um, just like we were struggling a, a couple of months ago. So was it, was it effective? Did it help the other students like learn to code and get it, it did, yeah, it was, it was, yeah. So I mean, getting back to kind of how Japan approaches education in general, but CS education in particular, uh-huh. was there any interest from the university uh-huh. saying, wait, this is a better way to teach students? Mm. Was Actually, um, the University of Tokyo, um, they have this program called Antorepreneur Dojo, yeah. which is for people who are interested in building their own startups and stuff. And they actually offered us to teach programming for, for, for them. So um, I think universities uh, definitely have some interest yeah. in teaching them to learn practical coding, but um, not many yet. And what about the, the CS department in particular? Um, I guess... Not so much. We haven't had much attention from the CS department. So, I mean, it it sounds like that if things are going to change, it's going to change from um, outside of the mainstream. If it's from uh, high school or Mm -hmm. independent studies. I think the problem with um, all these educational institutions in Japan is that, as you said, a lot of the teachers have no experience in any practical programming. So the lack of teachers is a big issue. Yeah, I, I agree. And I, I mean, I think it's great that Japan is going to start teaching programming in elementary school, in junior high school, in high school. But in the back of my mind, I have this fear that, that like, okay, in the 70s, Japan said, okay, everyone needs to learn English. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so English is taught mm-hmm. from elementary school in Japan. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Everyone studies English. Mm-hmm. But almost no one can really speak That's English. True. That's true. Yeah. I worry that this programming education might suffer the same fate. Yes, I tell people the exact same thing. So actually over 100 high schools and junior high schools in Japan are starting to use ProGate as a part of their curriculum because it's an online service and anyone can use it, Mm. even the teachers. So what they do is they get the students to learn on ProGate and the teachers only have to support them. Okay, so that bypasses the problem of, of the teachers not knowing how to code. Yeah, yeah. So, oh, fantastic. Yeah. So there's, there's hope. I guess so, yeah. <laughs> so I had the same fear that, you know, I think programming can be a really fun thing to do if you learn it the right way. But if they don't, it can be something really boring like um, learning English for, for students in Japan. Well, let's, let's take a look at ProGate's uh, business model. Okay. So is it a freemium model? Yes. Is it a, okay, so yes. is it subscription or per course? Subscription, yes. We have, I think, like 15 programming languages. And the first course or the first few courses of each programming language is provided for free. But if the students want to learn more, uh, they have to pay a monthly fee of 980 yen. So that's about $10. Using a subscription model, how do you manage customer retention and churn? I mean, because what stops people from like just taking one course and then leaving? 
With ProGate, it's not just about learning programming languages. Um, all the courses are like connected into a single um, path. Just completing one course of HTML doesn't change much, but doing a pa- uh, completing a path will give you an overall picture of what it's like to. Oh, I see. So yeah. if if someone's goal is to be mm-hmm. a, a web designer, yeah. you start out with the HTML course mm-hmm. and then maybe CSS, CSS then HTML two, yeah, JavaScript. Yeah. I see. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Um, I think the average lifetime of a user is like six to seven months at ProGate. So, yeah, I think that's how long it takes for a user to actually complete a path, like a course on ProGate. Okay, and, and how many courses are in a, a path? Uh, so we have different paths. Like we have like full-stack web development path, which consists of like 20 to 30, 40 lessons. We have a simple PHP path, which is like 10 lessons. And, yeah, students can choose according to their uh, needs. So online courseware mm-hmm. is a really, really active market. And there's, there's a lot of startups active here. Yeah. So what do you think is the biggest difference between mm-hmm. ProGate and companies like uh, Coursera or Udemy? Uh-huh. or? Um, okay, so um, the services you mentioned are all video-based. So um, students watch a video and then build their own local environment and learn, right? I think there's a problem with that. So um, I used to learn, learn on services like that. The thing is, when you're a beginner, it's hard to even just configure your own environment to start programming. So uh, you try to install Ruby, you start, try to install um, JavaScript and like compile everything and stuff. Mm-hmm. And some people um, give up programming before even they li- write a single line of code. And we thought that it was a problem. So... Um, with ProGate, you can just jump onto the website and log in and then start coding immediately. So um, you can do the fun part of programming to begin with. And then once they get the hang of it and they want to learn more and they want to try it on their local environment, um, I think it's a lot easier for them because they know yeah, what that, they're trying to do. That makes sense. A much lower kind of barrier to yeah. entry to yes. programming. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So are all of the courses created in-house? Yes. So uh, we did consider asking other people to make content, but with programming, everything is just so connected together that it, we thought it was better for us to, you know, find the best path for the... All right, that way you can kind of control the journey. Yeah, yeah. Especially if you're a beginner, like, everything has to be right. People, especially in Japan, have this image that programming is something that's really difficult and something that's not for them. But we want to change that mindset, you know. So we want to remove as many obstacles as we can. And we thought that doing it in-house would make that easier. That makes sense. All right, let's talk about your your plans for global domination. Okay, yep. So last year you opened offices in India and the U.S., right? Yes. So have you noticed any differences in behavior among the, the Japanese students and, say, the Indian or American students? Yeah, so um, there are a few differences. Like users in India, they tend to be more interested in getting jobs as an engineer. Whereas in Japan, it's more about getting a new skill. It doesn't have to relate directly to a job. So in India, they're looking more for certifications? Yes, or, oh, yes, I see. Yes, exactly. I see. Yeah. How do you respond to that? 
So with the English version of Progate, we do provide certificates for completing a course or a path. So that's one thing we did. And also another big difference with the Indian market is that students start to learn programming at a really young age compared to Japan. In Japan, so I started learning to code when I was like 20 years old. But uh, in India, primary school students, they learn the basics of HTML when they're like 12 or 10 or something. Yeah, so um, we felt that our main target was a younger age in India. So right now, uh, we are trying to introduce Progate to more schools, high schools, uh, junior high schools, and university students as well, but freshmen mostly. So it's just a more B2B model? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, and if you're targeting younger users, have you had to change the courses? Have you had to change the interface much? Um, not really. I think the really good thing about programming is that it's universal language. I mean, it doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter what gender you are or, you know, what race you are, what social status you are. As long as you can code, it's the same, right? Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, that, that kind of cute character sensibility yeah. in Japan translates really well to, like, younger students that's abroad. That's Yes, that's yeah. true. Yeah, yeah. So um, a lot of students in India, they, they love Japanese anime and they, they love our characters as well. It sounds like you're, you're taking some of the learnings from the Indian market and bringing them to Japan because you were mentioning that you're doing business with about 100 schools in Japan. Yeah, mm-hmm. but actually uh, that came first. Initially, we weren't planning to do any um, business with these schools, but as I mentioned before, these teachers are struggling with methods to teach their students. This one teacher from Shimane, he contacted us through the platform and he asked us if he could use the platform to teach his students. And since that was very successful, we thought, you know, why not um, provide project to other schools as well? Since then, we uh, added this academic plan on ProGate where um, teachers can choose two programming languages on ProGate and they can use the two languages for free. And the reason that we're making it free at the moment is because um, we want to make sure that these students who are starting to learn programming um, have the best experience. Mm-hmm. So, so is, that a, is that a strategy or thinking of going forward? Because sort of the B2B marketing and the, the product and features you need for a B2B sale are really different from a, a, a B2C, where the, the user is the one buying it for himself. That's true. But as long as all the lessons are the same, I don't think we have to make too many changes. So we do have a dashboard where teachers can manage the, the students' progress, but that's pretty much all that we had to change. So the, the hundred schools that are using ProGate, mm-hmm. is it mostly teachers independently saying, this is great, I want to use it for my students? Yes. Or was it the, so it wasn't the, the school itself saying we're standardizing on ProGate? Uh, no, it's mainly the teachers. Yeah, so they do have a teacher's community, like a computer science teacher's community, and uh, yeah, we've been going to those events and... All right, step by step, one by one, step right? By step. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Well, listen, Masa, before we wrap up, mm-hmm. I want to ask you what I call my magic wand question. Okay. <laughs> and that is, if I gave you a magic wand and I said that you could change one thing about Japan, mm-hmm. anything at all, the education system, mm-hmm. the way people think about risk, mm. the legal system, yep. anything at all, to make things better for startups and innovation in Japan, Mm -hmm. 
what would you change? So I think I'd try to make everyone in Japan become more fluent in English. Why is that? Because I think、um, Japanese startups and you know, Japanese engineers are very talented. You know, they come up with really good products and they they, you know, they're very passionate. But I think it's always this language obstacle that's stopping them from challenging you know, overseas. And if that were to change, I think more startups,、um, not, not just more startups, but I guess the world could benefit more from the, the products that we make. So, in terms of English, is it an、yeah. input problem or is it an output problem? Is it, is it that the engineers、uh-huh. can't read and understand all of the latest technology or that they can't clearly express? What they've created and explain the value they're creating?、Um, I guess it's a bit of both. So,、um, since a lot of us can't get the latest information that's provided in English, that's definitely stopping us from learning quicker. And in terms of output, since we can't speak English, I don't know how to put this, but I guess people are afraid to, you know. Express themselves and their product overseas because they don't want to lose face, kind of. I, I agree with you. There's so much interesting technology and interesting products being made in Japan,、mm-hmm. and that Japanese companies are pretty bad at telling the world about what they're doing.、Mm-hmm. And I think you're right, a lot of it is English skill, but I think there's this other cultural component、that's、to it. That's true, that's true. That,、yeah. that like, American startup founders and Japanese、mm-hmm. startup founders are almost. The extreme opposites、mm. in the world on this,、mm. where in America everyone sort of expects that you will make like these crazy claims and,、uh-huh. and be, be talking about 10 years in the future as if you're launching it tomorrow.、Mm. And, and in Japan, everyone's very careful about not wanting to seem like they're bragging very much. I guess that's true. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's true in a way. Yeah. But I think that's also starting to change.、Mm. Yeah, so、um, I think five years ago or ten years ago, there weren't as many、um, ambitious startup people building their own services. But lately,、um, during the past five years, a lot of younger people in Japan are starting to build their own companies and build their own products. And many of them are very passionate and they're innovative. They're more confident and even arrogant sometimes. And yeah, I guess it's not the stereotypical shy Japanese businessman kind of thing. I, I think it's starting to change. That's great. Yeah. But you know, I, I think there definitely has been a big change in the last 10 years、mm-hmm. among Japanese university students. Yeah. And there's a huge number now who not only want to start their own company, but are doing it. Yeah. But one thing that I'm not sure if it's changed or not、mm-hmm. are Japanese parents. No. <laughs> they're, they're, they're still against the.、Uh... Yeah, so,、um, yeah, even at Progate, many of our members had to you know, have many talks with their parents because they weren't very understanding of what we were doing. Especially, and that's understandable because getting into a good university in Japan is a really important thing. And you know, after sending their kids off to the University of Tokyo,、yeah. they definitely want them to graduate and you know, get a good job. They're expecting them to go into government or Mitsubishi、yes. or. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's still a struggle, I guess. But so back when I was a student, which is like five, six years ago, 
none of my classmates were interested in doing a startup. But lately, um, even students at the University of Tokyo are, oh, I, um, I think the reason is because、um, there's been some successful young entrepreneurs in Japan as well. And、um, many students do internships at those companies and they have a role model. Yeah, I think role、yeah. model, that is really key.、Mm. I, I think so. I, I, I think,、um, well, actually, two things struck me about what you were talking about. One、mm-hmm. is in America, it is simply unimaginable that you would have a computer science department.、Yep. Where most students have no interest in starting a company. <laughs> It's just, it just doesn't happen. <laughs> But second, yeah, the, the emergence of role models,、yeah. I think, has been so important. Yes, definitely. And I think, for example, like 10 years ago,、mm. when students would look at someone like Mikitani san or、uh-huh. Son san, like the gap is just too big. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just, They couldn't really relate, yeah. right? Yeah. And yeah, that's, that's also another reason why we're trying to. Provide Progate overseas because there hasn't been really good role models where、um, a Japanese、um, entrepreneur went overseas and you know, came up with a global service. And we really want to be the first example of that so that the students who are learning now can see us as role models and you know, be more ambitious. <laughs> yeah. So you see a really big difference just in the last five years. Yeah. That, yeah.、Mm-hmm. Well, that's great. Well, I, I certainly hope that continues. Yeah. And it looks like it's going to. I hope so, yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, listen, Masa, thank you so much for sitting down with me. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for having me. It was very fun. And we're back. It really is amazing how much and how quickly things have changed in startups and innovation in Japan. When, when Masa was at Todai only four or five years ago, almost none of his classmates even considered starting a company. But today, Todai has one of the largest, best funded innovation programs in Japan, and it's spinning out a steady stream of startups. Ah, but back to Progate. The biggest challenge facing Progate is the same challenge that almost all edtech startups face finding a sustainable and profitable business model. Now, I've given this problem a lot of thought, and I've talked with a lot of really smart edtech founders who've given it a lot more thought than I have. And I think the core problem is that the real product of the education system. All over the developed world is not education. In general, people are not paying for an education, they're paying for certification. When a student attends Yale or Todai, or when they take an Oracle or Microsoft training course, they, they certainly do receive an education. But that's not where the real value is. The value is in the certification. Yale or Oracle's stamp of approval. If a startup is able to teach students everything they could learn at Stanford, but at half the price and in half the time, that's great, but they still would not be competing with Stanford. Even though they provide the same education, it's the certification that has the economic value. So, where does this leave innovative companies like Progate? Companies who are genuinely committed to helping people learn, 
who are genuinely committed to providing education rather than certification. Well, as long as the demand for programmers, even self-taught and uncertified programmers, as long as the demand for programmers remains high, ProGate will be fine. And I think that demand will remain high for the foreseeable future. But the broader question is an important one. In a society and an economy that is changing faster and faster, that is demanding that we be able to learn new skills fast and learn them continuously throughout our careers, we need to find a way to shift the business model away from certification. We need to find a way to change the education system to actually make it about getting an education. If you want to talk more about coding and learning programming, Masa and I would love to hear from you. So come by disruptingjapan.com slash show 139 and talk to us. And also be sure to check us out on LinkedIn or Facebook. But, but even better, if you like the show, tell people about it. It's Tell a Friend Tuesday or Welcome a Friend Wednesday or something appropriate for whatever day you happen to be listening to this podcast on. In today's world of social media, an honest recommendation means so much. But most of all, thanks for listening. And thank you for letting people interested in Japanese startups and innovation know about the show. I'm Tim Romero, and thanks for listening to Disrupting Japan.